Hey there, fanboys and fangirls. Uh, this is uh, Delgado. And this is Ryan. And we are basically rebranding the whole American Guild of Justice through podcast. So we won't actually... I mean, rebrand, right, is the word that I'm thinking of? I mean, probably. Because we're only going to be doing like kind of like podcasts from now on. I mean, I don't... Yeah, because I don't think video... It just wasn't cutting it. Nah, <laughs> we're only we're only five years behind the times on this one, almost six. Because <laughs> we started the yeah we started the American Guild of Justice in like 2014 of Jeez. December. Christ, we've got old. Yes, we are now facing our thirties. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Dirty thirty might be fun. Dirty thirty. <laughs> but anyways, like on this podcast, we're gonna be talking about all kinds of nerdy shit. Like, per usual, which we won't be filtered like we were trying to do due to my um, stupidity. Um, because, like, I felt like we were trying to be... Corporate? Yeah. We, we definitely we, we definitely tried to get corporate with We it. took it too seriously, which there's actually a quote, by the way, that's really fucking good. Um, I can't remember if the dude's name was Oscar Wilde, I believe. Um... But the quote is this, is life is too important to be taken too seriously, which means no matter what, like no matter how hard shit gets, like just enjoy it. I mean, probably one of the most potent statements of our generation. Too many people take life far too seriously to they lose the enjoyment out of it. and They just don't know how to handle themselves and that just gets so boring after a while. That's but why anyway, we are adult children and we fucking like, you know, collect buy, comic books and collect movies. comic books and like we buy toys and all kinds of shit. So, <laughs> um, on that note though, Delgado, how uh how has your collection been coming along since uh, the last time we I can't say spoke because we speak regularly. But They're since we were, we spoke <laughs> on camera to to each other, how has your collection come along? What would you like to uh, talk about? Um, I actually lost when we first met. You kind of like reignited like the child in me. Like I'm not even fucking kidding. Like <laughs> because like once I met you, like. I started buying comic books like fucking crazy. Like it was like fucking an addiction. You'd bro. walk into Temporal and drop $200 in a single shopping trip. Which that was, was one of like our um, older LCSs, like right, local comic shop. Yes. So, um, which we actually come to love the, the guy who owned the place, um, Ken Nichols, which we just called him Nick. And he was just, he's such an awesome dude. We actually, because we have old episodes i think there's like 27 episodes of like the american guild of justice um on youtube which some of them i believe were like accessible uh, or all, all of, them? of them are still up we just don't have any access to them to, uh... which is why we're not doing the normal video thing because we feel like this would just be easier to transcend um, a little bit. To which, transcend the chains that bound us on YouTube. Which we had a whole bunch of different people actually in the guild. Like, when we first started, it was just me and Ryan for the first episode. And then I believe... No, the first and second, right? No, first was us. Second was we introduced Drake. Third, we introduced... Third, we had Drake. And then fourth, we introduced Jose. Right. So, anyways, and then we changed shit up and added people, um, 
Aaron and Zach. Um, which it was all it was all awesome and shit, but it just like when you're growing up, like you slowly just like trying to get the shit down, I kinda lost my way and made the shit too serious. But I mean, and as will happen when you're trying to do anything similar to what we were trying to do, you know, we wanted to... Because it wasn't actually cool. You know what I mean? Back then, like, a lot of people weren't, like, YouTube talking about, like, nerdy shit. I know, and... It's uh, funny how that works, right? Yeah, exactly. We try something and nobody's doing it. We get forgotten and left to the wayside, and then, next thing we know, Comic Tom starts to exist, and people like him. Uh, No offense to them. Which you should go check his shit out, like Comic Tom 101. It's an interesting channel. Uh, Interesting. I I disagree with some of his He makes me want to panic by everything. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that what you've been doing for the last six months? Right, right. I mean... But essentially, no, my, my collection, like, ever since I met Ryan... It reignited. Like, I never was really... Like, I mean, I was into books, like, when I was a kid, and then I just stopped. And then when I met Ryan, we were late teens. 18, 19, before I moved to Hawaii. And then we, I started buying a whole bunch of comic books, and I was, like, stealth, like, building up my collection while he was in Hawaii. And, like, when he came back, like, it was just like, fucking massive. Like, I had a whole comic book room. Like, it was crazy. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then, like, a couple years down the road after I built, like, this empire of fucking comic books and toys and all kinds of shit, like, I lost track of it and, like, I started doing something else and then I just sold, like, I would say, like, probably, like, a good 90%, if not 95% of my books. Like, a lot of shit that meant something to me, like, I mean, my first appearance of Deadpool, which was New Mutants number 98, like, that is a very not easy book to obtain and contrary to how you recently came across it again. I mean I had the whole entire run too like I, I had know. the entire run of the New Mutants annuals and all still devastating all pristine condition like you know what I mean like every single copy like I personally crafted my time into hunting for each one of these books and made sure that they were in the best condition that they possibly could be in to the point where we would drive around state of Indiana just looking for good deals or good shops that we would frequent regularly. There were a couple of cases where, as a matter of fact, I believe we ended up uh, out of state once. Am I right about that one? I think we we went to Ohio. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't remember the place, but we definitely, we went out of state at one point in time, which we need, we need more road trips like that. Absolutely. (laughs) Just throwing down. Driving all the way around town or around fucking states and just like fucking like going to, you know, public stores. Without the limitations of video, these fine people can get B recordings of us uh, just shooting the shit. Which essentially is what we're just doing. I mean, absolutely, because two (laughs) friends can't have a structured podcast or video series for that matter. Without it coming off as forced or... Yeah, I feel like this is a lot more easier. I, I do enjoy this <laughs> far more. Um, like, but, what was, like, one of your, like, top grails? Like, when you first started collecting books, what was one book that you were like, I am owning this? <laughs> Incidentally, uh, actually, oddly enough, um, and this has completely flopped since then, the first appearance of Deadpool, ah. actually, ah. Um, was was my number one grail, which you know back in back at at that point I could have bought it for one hundred and fifty dollars, 
you know, now you, you've you struck a gold mine if you can find that book in, in really good shape for $150. But now... Uh, tell, tell the story. Tell the story of how I recently, right before the <laughs> pandemic, um, this whole COVID whatever the fuck is going on. I'm not even going to get into all that, but... Like, as soon as, you know, like, you've... our state, as soon as our state went red. <laughs> Literally the night, <laughs> the night prior to the complete shutdown, I found a listing on the Facebook marketplace with a first appearance of Deadpool for $50. <laughs> the pictures did not do this book justice. The pictures never would have done this book justice. As a matter of fact, I was petrified of the idea of driving to Indianapolis in the downtown. middle of the night. Downtown. Downtown Indianapolis, Indianapolis in the middle of the L. night uh, to go pick up a $50 comic book and then be stabbed and left for dead. Uh, so I, being the friend that I am, forwarded that link to Delgado and said, hey man, just so you know that this exists, keep an eye out and if you want, we can go sometime. Not... A half hour later, uh, Delgado has taken it upon himself to text me and say, hey, bitch, we're going to Indy. And I'm like, well, if I had known I was going to Indy tonight anyway, I would have just made the deal for myself and then probably just traded it to you anyway. Um, but, you know. I tell how much, yeah, like 50, it was like $50. $50 and then Delgado decided to talk himself up and sell, uh, buy it for 60 Yeah, because they were like, well, I mean, the sticker does say $300 on the outside you, of the bag. You, you, whilst also simultaneously being one of the nicest people on the planet in that situation, like also just gave that woman the shaft. It was, it's, it's probably one of the most heartwarming but also funny things I think I've ever seen. <laughs> because you didn't unintentionally screw her out of money. You actually gave her more than what she was asking for. Yeah. Um, and a little I ended bit of up, good karma. A little bit exactly. Of good karma. <laughs> I ended up with a long box full of good shit uh, that I ended up turning for a profit. Yeah, um, I mean, this was like a trap house, too. Like, there was I like know. nothing in this house. And there's like people, there's like 30 people just walking in and out of this house. It was petrifying i am honestly just convinced that we actually died that night and we just don't realize it yeah because as soon as we got to fucking indianapolis like um she changed locations on us like while we were on our way to where she said that she was located at she changed the address to a liquor store and so we met her at a <laughs> liquor store and it's like raining outside and i'm like what the fuck is going on right now i was like Dude, we're gonna die tonight. Okay, let's let's set the stage <laughs> for this one really quick, and we're gonna go off on a couple, several thousand tangents. Um, Delgado gets a text saying, "Hey, you know, meet me at the liquor store right up the house, right up the road from my house." And he's like, "Okay, that's fine." We didn't know it was liquor store though. No, absolutely not. <laughs> She's just like, "Just here, be here." We're like, "Okay," so we pull up, and it's obviously a liquor store that she is walking out of. And she's like, "Hey, let me run inside and go grab something really quick." Uh, we're like, oh, okay, we're thinking she has the book on her person, like any sane human being would. Yeah. Uh, at which point, she promptly decides to get into Delgado's vehicle and tell him, hey, yeah, uh, you know, oh, I thought you guys were going to drive me back to my house. Dude. <laughs> so no, she, she had the book on her, though. It was in her backpack. Oh, she that's right. Yes, yes. She had it in her backpack, which I'm proud of her for this. Like, you can never say that you can never, ever trust a crackhead. But you can. <laughs> there are some that you can actually fucking trust. She had it bagged and boarded 
And it was in a fucking, a big-ass, like, top loader. Like, it was... I'm not like entirely unconvinced that she didn't end up with that book in that exact same Oh, dude, she totally, just... like, fucking stole that book. Like, you could <laughs> tell, like, she had no idea what she had. Zero. Because I have a book with that exact same sticker on it from the Hero House in Indianapolis. Yes. So, And I mean, it's a pristine book, too. Like, it's an actual good copy. Easily a 9.8 Easily. handed it. Easily. Easily. All the pages $60. are there. No rips, no tears, no $60. color breaks. $60. Fucking amazing. But... I ended up with a long box for free because I sold the first 37 issues of Akira for a $300 loss. Yeah. So you no did. big deal there. You came up on that one. Oh, because, yeah. like, I just saw you finger-picking through, like, those back those back issues. And, like, I could see that you were totally downplaying the situation. Like, well, you don't really have, you know, a lot of these books aren't really I love that you anything. can see it when I'm doing like, that. I can but tell, literally, like, when you're doing that. <laughs> literally nobody else can. You are the only person on this planet who can see yeah. me realizing like holy fuck i could easily flip this all for because that's over like 10 years of watching you like bluff you know what i mean like (laughs) i can like i can tell when you're bluffing like i'll i'll know like like i will call you out on your shit like 20 percent, like not 20 percent, but like 100 120 percent of the time except for when you realize that it would be in in our best interest for you to not do that that's true true. (laughs) and we've traded a lot of like a lot of books to each other as well Oh, Which, yeah. honestly, so we've talked about a lot um, so far. So, um, yeah, essentially that was the story of going to a fucking crack house in fucking like Indianapolis. For Delgado to find his grail. The whole grail situation. <laughs> um, I mean, me personally, like, I'm looking forward, like, my, my grail wasn't ever, like, Deadpool. Like, I always wanted a giant size X-Men number one. Which is literally, like... A thousand plus dollars. Already lying to these fine people. You remember when we both first started collecting, the roles were reversed. Your grail was the first appearance of Deathstroke. Oh, You yeah, were a bigger DC true. fan okay. than me. Well, I mean, like, I was big into X-Men, too. So. I know. And everybody's grail is Giant Size X-Men number one. And yours always will be, and I respect that. Until we can finally nab you a copy. And I will laugh my ass off if it happens like that Deadpool one did. I'm hoping. I was hoping too because like that. What would you have done if we'd seen that in that long box, my dude? <sighs> oh my god. Anyway, I don't even. I don't even know. I would probably have a stroke and an aneurysm at the same time. <laughs> I would you know, flatline immediately. You know what sucks is I think that there. I only have two grails left to buy. Yeah, I don't have very many myself. Like I, I have the, the giant size X Men number one. Naturally. Of course, Hulk one the Incredible Hulk one eighty one, which is the first appearance of Wolverine. Amazing um, Fantasy number fifteen. <laughs> yeah, that'll never happen. <laughs> now the other two are possible. I just have to save forever, forever, and then I'll be able to find it. <laughs> or you know. Meanwhile, <laughs> both of mine are a lot more attainable. I would like to find. Uh, well, I have one more that's unattainable, but uh, I would like to find an ASM number one twenty nine, the first appearance of the Punisher. Because while I am not the biggest Marvel fan, the Punisher is just always super cool because, you know, ACAB. But, see, like, I always wanted, like, the first, or not the first appearance, but the, uh, the death of Gwen Stacy, which... 121. Was it 121? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man, or Amazing Spider-Man 120, 121. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's one book that I, I definitely, with the fallout. definitely want to have that book. Like, 
in the near but that's future. The, I don't, would, would we consider that grail level? Because that's, what, a $250, Honestly, $300 book? like, it's not even the fact of, like, the value of the book. It's the story within it. It's actually the first time that, to me, the first time that an actual, like, fucking, like, superhero that is, like, so known, so well known, that could not save everybody. Especially the love of his life. Could That's not save. Very fair. Like, because every time that, like, yeah, there's heroes that lose, you know, like, they lose battles, they lose wars. They get the shit rocked and, you know, and they just, they... But they this was, like, up. the first time that, like, a, you know, a real superhero just did not fucking win. Like, he lost everything. And a single... He lost the fight. And he lost panel. the love of his life. All in one <laughs> panel, you just see that crack. Yeah, and I mean, like, I cried during Amazing Spider-Man number two. Like, when it came out, the movie, because I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen, even though it was, like, very... I did not like the Green Goblin in that movie at all. Zero. It was It was definitely... Zero. Thrown between two universes But when she died, like, I could totally see, like, when Andrew Garfield just started breaking down, like, I just started fucking crying, too. Like, I was just like, fuck. You I just, can feel this. You see the immense loss. Andrew Garfield's a wonderful actor. He is. He is. Which he's a he's a very good ultimate Spider-Man, Peter Parker. But back on uh back on the Grails, you know, another um odd one for me actually is um is is the first real war path. The first real war path, because that's so heavily debated. About which one it is. Oh, you mean like the actual, like, okay, so essentially what we're trying to convey is how fucking hard and difficult <laughs> it is to disassociate what a character's first appearance really is in the Marvel comic. Um, like Ben Riley, for yeah. instance. You know, his is it Web of Spider-Man number 118 or is it the Scarlet Spider number one? You know, I mean, I'm going to go with or, 18. Or is it one of the ASM books where Ben Riley actually makes an appearance? That's true. You know, it's it's all so convoluted and blown out of proportion. People debate the, the validity of uh, The Incredible Hulk number 180 being the first appearance of, of Wolverine. See, and that's just like the, the first appearance of uh, Dark Phoenix. Like, I or have... Apocalypse. Yes, yes, yes. The whole cameo <laughs> versus for, the first full is fucking ridiculous. We to a certain extent. Uh, to a certain extent. But when you know, when you know your shit, it's literally the market that, that dictates. That dictates what the first appearance of a character is. Because you see Apocalypse's shadow in X-Factor number 5. And right. in the very last panel, on the very last page, before you flip that last page and realize that the book is over, you see that silhouette. And you're like, okay, that looks like a bad guy. Or in uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 299, you see a black hand pushing uh, someone into a train tracks. And that's everybody's like, that's Venom. That's his first appearance. No, it's, it's, it's a cameo. It's not, the, yeah. fir- the first full appearance of something is is when you see somebody like you know entirely in that panel, but they're in more than just one fucking panel. Like to me, the whole one, the whole Incredible Hulk one eighty and one eighty one problem is 
And it's the same thing with Dark Phoenix. So at the end, the very last panel of Incredible Hulk 180, Wolverine makes his first appearance. Yep. Right? You can't really call that a cameo, though, because it even says, I'm the Wolverine. You know who it's worse with? And he's in costume. But <laughs> the book that's worth more is Hulk 181, where he makes his first full appearance where because he's actually, actually in go the book. Blows. Yes, 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 yes. It's worth worse uh, with uh, Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Mara. Yes. Or Miguel O'Hara, because he it's Amazing Spider-Man number 365 because there's a there's a preview story. I thought it was like a pinup poster. No. Or not even though an ad. He was in yeah, an ad. Yeah, it's, it's an ad, so it's a preview for right. Spider-Man 2099 number one. But they didn't, know because I didn't think that they even had a name for it. He didn't even have a name. Yeah, it says on the cover, Spider-Man 20, including a preview for huh. Spider-Man 2099. I have it at home, I'll show you sometime. It's, it's, it's distressing because, you know, Spider-Man 2099 is obviously his first cover and first full appearance as Spider-Man 2099, but it's, it's not as... I mean, that's the same with, like, after as a book. Hellboy, though, because Hellboy's technical first appearance was on a trading card. Uh, and in a, in a preview book as well. Yes. Same with Spawn. Malibu yep. Sun Presents number nine. But everybody says that Spawn, Spawn number, number one, one is the first appearance of Spawn. But it's funny because uh, Malibu Sun Presents actually goes for more money than Spawn number one. So with, like, the whole Warpath, like... Because they say that, what, New Mutants number 16, that's the first appearance of Warpath. That's what they deem it as. Because it's the first appearance of James Proudstar. First regardless appearance of, of James Proudstar, right. In costume or by name. And then but there's... he wasn't actually, he was in, like, a, what, the Hellfire Club. They were all wearing, like, matching fucking, like, you know, X-Men style, like, suits. Or whatever. As Spanx. was. They were wearing fucking spandex. <laughs> Uh, as was kind of the the style for the era, but then you got the naysayers. They're like, no, it's Uncanny X Men one ninety three where he's in full costume, but they don't actually state that his name in that book is Warpath. Yes, he's in costume, but he goes by Thunderbird number two, which he did in New Mutants number sixteen as well. Mm -hmm. So I did some deep digging because which is what then the naysayers came back. The naysayers came back and said, no, it's not even that. It's not even Uncanny X-Men 193. They said it was New Mutants number 99. And then they said it was New Mutants number 100. That's bullshit. I'll call you out all day long. Because he wasn't... Okay, so he was in costume on the cover of New Mutants number 99 and 100. But if you want to be technical about it, he was in costume in Uncanny X-Men 193 without a name. I mean, he, I think he was going by Thunderbird still, but he wasn't. I don't know. I don't he, remember specifically. He abandoned the name of. He that did point. not. He did not don the costume within the in the book of New Mutants number ninety nine or one hundred, but did make his first appearance, first appearance with costume and name on the splash page of X Force number one, which is one of the most printed fucking books <laughs> and as of late <laughs> has become a horror story it's like a curse <laughs> because i cannot fucking and this book is like literally not worth anything it's not worth dick meanwhile like it is in the 
fucking bargain bins everywhere. And now we can't seem to track down a copy for That's less good. than $6, That's even a, though yes, you and I couldn't go into a comic book store for the first four years of our friendship without finding at least 22 copies in some dollar bin in some forgotten corner of this comic book store. Oh, dude, we were, like, wiping our asses with, like, like uh, fucking X-Force number <laughs> like, We were just, like, laughing about how fucking useless they were. But if people actually did the research, Warpath's first fucking first full appearance with name and costume is on the splash page of X-Force number one. So if you guys actually come across an X-Force number one that is a decent copy and you're not OCD like me, <laughs> and everything has to be pristine. I would buy the fuck out of it all day long. Like I just recently bought two copies, and one of which did not have the Deadpool card attached with it in the poly bag, which they stated on eBay that it did. Which I'm so almost almost done with eBay. <laughs> the horror stories of fucking just ordering comic books. Like being an almost thirty year old man. The struggles that we have to go through when we try to buy fucking books. Because, not just that, but, like, I don't know if it's just because, like, I'm getting older and my eyesight's just, like, going away. Or if it's just because, like, they're showing shittier pictures trying to get a quick buck because they just want to show. I think you definitely just listed the reason right there, my dude. Like, you know, at least my horror stories with eBay aren't nearly as bad. Like, with my my Greatest Adventure number 80, everything was clearly labeled as, hey... This book probably wouldn't even get a .5, my dude. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it, it definitely will. It'll get a 1.5. Oh, yeah, and you've got, like, all these people that, like, know they're grading. Like, they're everybody's, like, a fucking certified grader they when may, they have everything posted. They may as well work for the CGC and, and look all this stupid shit over. Oh, yeah, because they'll have it listed as, like, a fucking near-mint plus, and it'll say it's, like, a 9.8. Or a 10.0. Well, and they have pictures. They'll have this pictures right of here. it. Pictures of the book. And there's like all kinds of like fucking bins and tears and, you know, spine ticks and fucking dog-eared corners. I, I staples hanging off. Cover hanging off. <laughs> I thrive on, on those listings. Um, I thrive on those listings because you just, you see... All of that. It's just so ridiculous. And I just, I love seeing those. And that's actually, I think, kind of why I prefer to go to comic book stores. Uh, because you can see and hold the book in your hand. Like our last trip to, uh, to Corn Coast. Yes. It was just, it was amazing. Because it was like, literally like this hole in a wall fucking place. And the guy... God bless his, just God bless his heart. Like, he is, like, the fucking most awesome, rad dude ever, but he reminds me so much of the fucking comic book guy from fucking <laughs> The Simpsons, dude. I think we've encountered a few of those on our... Sweaties, dude. Like, every, every person that owns a fucking comic book store, they just look sweaty. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if we ever opened up our own comic book store, like, we would literally be top-tier, like, fucking comic book. Like, besides <laughs> that one time that we went to... Fuck, I can't even remember the name of the fucking place, but it was ran by these, like, teenagers. And, like, do you remember? Summit in Fort Wayne. Was it? Yeah. <clears throat> because, like, we were asking, like, all these, like, just normal questions as comic book nerds and th seeing as how, like, you know, these guys are working at a comic book store, they would know our questions. 
No, they just laugh. They just laugh and they're just like absolutely no earthly idea what we were talking about. We got a couple of really good. Oh deals no, there's like there. there's like a fucking what was it, a couple books that we're asking questions about that were like literally printed in like 2010, and they're like, oh dude, that's like so retro. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, no, what it's not. on earth do you mean, you 18 year old loser? And then I realized <laughs> right then the shocking realization of how old I've gotten. Oh yeah, definitely, 100. percent Like I'm just. I'm baffled of how the times are changing. And, like, honestly, like, when this pandemic started, I thought that, like, literally, like, the printing of fucking comic books was just going to be gone. It was just going to be done. Like, no more no more comic books. So, and I think, like, a lot of, like, people have, like, migrated towards eBay and Amazon and what have you, all these different, like, outlets of, like, um... The, that sell comic books. The the second secondary collectible market, right. essentially. Instead of actually navigating to real comic book websites like Nucadia or MyComicShop.com. Right. Uh, I'll never mention Mile High Comics in a um, respectful breath because those guys seem to just use the most overblown, overstreet pricing that they can absolutely find. Oh yeah, this uh, this X-Force number one is worth $2,000 because it's still in the poly bag with the Shattershot card. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't even fucking, I, I don't, I, it would hurt my soul to buy a fucking X-Force number one that was fucking CGC slab for like <laughs> $40, $60, knowing that this is like a 50 cent book. Like, it but, hurts my soul. And as we discussed earlier about something similar to that, a situation similar to that, it costs thirty dollars to have these books graded in the first place. So, I mean, you're still paying. That was after taxes. Still paying thirteen dollars for this book, but taxes are five of that. You know, I think, in all honesty, if I found a dollar bin book that I liked the appearance of and I wanted to keep it preserved, something like that, I think, in all honesty, I, I think I could cop that. But then again, I'm also the same guy who has three copies of uh, <laughs> New Mutants number 87, a previous grail of mine that I now have three copies of, Yes. Uh, two of which are slabbed. Um, <laughs> I have a slabbed one. I know you do, but what, is one of them signed by Stan Lee? That's not, yeah. See? They don't. They, yeah, that's true. But I don't think that Stanley actually had anything to do with that book. He was he was the executive uh was editor at the time. I mean Well, I mean like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He created he, he Not helped, Deadpool. Like, no, he he created helped create the company that printed that book. Now, if it was uh fucking Rob Liefeld. I did or was it Liefeld? How do they pronounce it nowadays? Cuz uh, I hear like Three different kinds of Senior like crackhead who thinks he's bailed out Marvel more times than he can count. No hands, no feet. The guy, <laughs> a thousand a pouches. Literally, he's a joke. New Mutants number 98 is literally like his legacy. Like, he will never be known for anything else except for not being able to draw. But the worst thing. part, <laughs> the worst. Which he, he actually fucking. I think he had the first book. To ever come out of Image Comics, which was Youngblood. He was he was a co-creator for Image Comics, which is respectable. I will never downplay his effect on the comic book industry. However, he's also part of the reason why the art in the 90s was just so... Intense. Hyper-masculine, yeah. I, I guess would be... A, Everybody a, had a muscles on muscles. And a thousand patches strapped across their chest, and only three of which were useful at any given moment. 
but the, I think the worst part and the only reason I don't condone calling him the creator of Deadpool is because Fabian Nitsietza, uh created Deadpool with him and gets very little credit for it and Todd McFarlane I can't even pronounce that motherfucker's name I he's brilliant I've I've read several I just call him the, the other guy <laughs> the other guy Fabian, that was part of it yeah um yeah He's done better work on comics since '98. I'm pretty sure, like I refer to him as like Del Guillermo or whatever the fuck. Guillermo Del Toro. Yeah, that guy. How is? Yeah, he was the guy who created uh, fucking Deadpool. (laughs) I'm gonna, I'm gonna get canceled for some of my opinions on Rob Liefeld. I'm just gonna, we're gonna end up with like a lot of like. We're living in a modern age, like where everything's getting canceled. I know. Like literally, I will throw a fucking riot if. Netflix gets canceled, and I'll tell you why. It's because of that fucking movie that that came to be that they fucking picked up and released. It was uh, it was called Cuties, where they were basically fucking showing off eleven year olds twerking and dancing like all provocative and shit like that. But my gripe is, is why blame Netflix when you should be blaming the parents? All of these girls that let their their kids fucking do this. Well, and it was originally made as like a... an ungodly amount. There was like 365 girls that tried out for this movie. Well, and it was <laughs> Like, also, what were these parents thinking? It was originally, like, the, the actual French dialogue in that movie and the French cut for that movie is so much less... Prov- I don't, don't want to say provocative because the entire movie is provocative, but, like, it's meant to be this explanation on why the exploitation of children that we have currently going in our society is a bad thing but they're exploiting children in the process so i'll just never that's a whole separate tangent i mean i'm not going to speak so much on it because i haven't watched it i think it's fucking ridiculous that they had to make a movie to basically show that this is how shit goes when everybody already knows how it goes everybody just like doesn't give a fuck like, why does it take a movie streaming on Netflix for people to, like, oh my god, that's so fucking appalling, when this shit's been going on for, like, hundreds of years. Since the, hundreds uh, of since years. Since the Little Miss America pageant started. Like, forever ago, this shit's yeah. been going on. But no. I'm just saying that if they cancel Netflix, we will no longer be able to watch the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> we won't be able to watch fucking Stranger Things. Like, there will be no more Netflix originals. And that will piss me off. Like, I'm going to be very... And I mean, they lost like $9 billion in one day. Mm-hmm. Netflix lost that much money. So many subscribe, like so many subscriptions just gone. Because they would not pull this movie. They doubled down and it did not fucking work. What's funny is I believe a lot of those people who probably canceled their subscriptions probably came back less than two weeks. Because, later. like, I mean, if you think about it, like, yes, it was just a movie. Yes, it was fucked up. But don't watch it. You know what I mean? Like, if that shit bothers you, do not watch it. This shit is, like, a real thing. Like, fuck, there was just, like, the whole fucking, uh, what's his face? The, the king, the king pedophile that just fucking, like, the whole thing that was going on. Where he killed, the hell Epstein. He had a whole fucking island of fucking, like, they, you know, had child fucking sacrifices and like fucking like sex rings and all kinds of shit out like that it's like people weren't fucking butthurt about that like you know everybody I mean, and their brother people like people were definitely butthurt when they found out what was going on but tangentially 
uh, to cut this one a little bit short. Don't just don't fucking watch the movie. Netflix. Do not cancel fucking Netflix. Like I will cry. Like <laughs> I cannot handle Hulu. Just Hulu. Like I need. He fucking hasn't Netflix. even watched the old guard yet. You guys, please don't get Netflix. But Netflix. I do watch the boys. Like the boys is That's fucking Amazon. Full. It's phenomenal. Dude. It is absolutely phenomenal. Like I have never watched. Like and I would love to get the entire collection. Like the whole fucking collection of comic books. And just have, just to see, you know what I mean? Like, I would love it. What was actually your first run of books that you ever bought? Oh, God. Uh, actually, um, this is while I was in Hawaii. I think I called you that day. The first complete series I ever bought was a cable series. Oh, this that's is right. first ever mini series. I still have my originally purchased copies of those at home. See, my first. Yeah, my first original run was when I bought all of those Vigilante books off of Nick from yeah. Temporal. Yeah, and I had no idea who the and fuck I, it was. I have those now. Yes. Yes, so like we're just going to keep it in circulation and it's never going to go away. It's actually a really good series. I, I think that But that's, I had I, no idea walking in what that person even was. I didn't even know that yeah. character. I think that's I think that's like one of the most brilliant parts of our friendship is that like when one of us is done with a character um, on like a just an emotional level, we'll just contact the other one and say, "Hey, are you are you interested in this?" And we'll just trade. Like when my when my when my affection for uh, when I realized that your affection for Carnage was a little bit higher than my own, I traded you my first Carnage for what was it? The first appearance of uh, Professor Hulk, and and then the full run of Killjoys. The full uh, full run of Killjoys. Which I think there was something I else. I swear there that there yeah there probably was, but like I swear that the Killjoys will have its own fucking series. Has, if, has to. if the Umbrella Academy could pull it off, then the Killjoys is not very far behind. Which they are actually saying that they're going to come out with a second wave, is what they're calling it. Was, of Killjoys, it was already optioned for a second Netflix. series <laughs> of six books. Netflix. But so, uh, with that being said. Which I love Gerard Way. Like, love him. Like, we grew up on the shit. I'm just glad that, like, he's actually being really recognized. Oh, yeah. Through the comic book community. I actually found a, a Gabriel Ba and uh, Gerard Way signed uh, Umbrella Academy number one recently on eBay. Oh, God. It went how much? Quick. Uh, 600. Jesus fucking Christ. Dude. CGC verified signature, man. Those always go. But. With uh, with that purchase in mind. No, um, no, no, okay. I got you, though. I'll top you on that. Do you remember when The Walking Dead first came out? And we were in Temporal Comics when it released. No. I had it in hand. I held that motherfucker, dude. I opened I took it out of the bag and the board. It didn't even have a board because it was New Comic Book Day. It was, I took it out of the bag and wa- I flipped through it and I laughed. I was like, dude, this is garbage. That was free because I moved to Hawaii and Walking Dead premiered while I was in Hawaii. So I remember that. Myself. I remember it vividly <laughs> because I, saw, I found a Robert Kirkman signed, slabbed, sealed, and delivered gold bar on top. Robert Kirkman signed Walking Dead number one, two, three, Four, five, and six for eighty dollars. What? I did not buy it because I was super positive that, that it was gonna flop. That the whole show was gonna flop, 
and these books were going to be worthless. Well, we didn't even know that, the, that there was even going to be a show. I know, and well, it it was our, it was getting ready to premiere. Because I, I thought it was like a knockoff, like you know, Night of the Living Dead. Because at the time, like I, I remember, instead of buying like Night of the Living Dead, uh, instead Night of, of buying Living Walking Dead, Dead yes. you bought that Night of the Living Dead London. Yep. Yep. I still have that book as well, actually. Um, no shit. Yeah, dude. Dude, it's... that is it holds so many just failures. Of no, my life. I I I refuse to see them as failures because while that show has been financially Think about successful, that could have been like the first appearance of you know the whole entire like Walking Dead. You know what I mean? Like what's ever fucking... been shown, but <laughs> no. Okay, and I I was so convinced the show was gonna premiere. I think in a, uh, at this point about two months, and each slab was eighty dollars, and I was like, I don't feel like spending that much money. So what did I buy instead? <laughs> Cable books. Cable books. Which, I mean, in all honesty, wasn't a bad purchase uh, with Deadpool 2 coming, like, not even close to even an idea in Fox's brains yet, but... Which, I mean, Cable's, like, a really fucking good character, even though he's got so many different versions. There's there's just so much to his backstory that it's hard to... But he's such a badass, though. Like, you know, Cable and Strife make their first appearance in the same book, right? And then you got X-Man. Speaking. Yeah. X-Man. One of my favorite. I remember vividly from the fucking 90s as a child. Like, he was just like the coolest X-Man. Never knew who he was. <laughs> but a clone of fucking, you know, Nathan Summers. It's funny that you actually learned who X-Man was as a result of one of our conversations one night. I never would have known. Never would have known. Because I wasn't actually big into reading didn't, comics. Didn't I trade you your first copy of X-Man number one? Yeah, and then you got a better copy, and then we traded again because, like, you are not, I'm not as, as OCD as I am I'm like, not when as it comes to the perfect, pristine, conditionally inclined. Because, okay, so, and I've actually come to a realization about why that is. Because my goal is to have history. Your goal is to preserve history. Yeah. So, mine is, and neither is better than the other. Because you want to have the best copy so it stays around forever. I want to have it so that way I can preserve it myself. I have these copies. Again, my greatest adventure number 80 is not in the best shape because I found a really good deal on it and I wanted that book. Right. My um, Which, tell tell, tell the, the listeners what that even is. The Oh, my greatest adventure number 80 is the first appearance of the Doom Patrol. And a lot of people are like, oh, I remember seeing something about that show. What a lot of people, including myself at one point, don't even know is that that book actually predates X-Men number one by three months. By we're not three talking months. We're not talking a couple weeks. We're talking the entire time frame to actually script, write out, and draw up a comic. There are so many parallels between those two. Uh, a, a fearless, callous leader who's crippled and left in a wheelchair as a result of a previous accident. Right. You know, there's just so much to it that I I think that in all honesty, if people paid more attention to the Doom Patrol, uh, which sounds crazy now when you think about it because the show's uh, show's second season just premiered. Uh, Season three's already been all but confirmed. Um, Crossovers are happening every day. You know, it's just, it's such a brilliant... Uh, series that just gets no respect. I bought a probably 1.5 condition version of that book for $250. Right. 
the equivalent purchase of an X-Men number one would have ran me well over a grand. Well, I think personally, like, because that was right around, like, fucking, you know, like, extreme prejudice and shit like that. So you have... You have an the allegory. first appearance of the whole Doom Patrol um, cast, and then you got X-Men three months later. But I feel like, I, I don't know, like, the whole Doom Patrol, like, what their message was, but I think what the X-Men was supposed to be was the response to the prejudice that was going on. It extreme prejudice, was. because, like... The mutants weren't to be beloved. Like, they were meant to be different. Like, they were supposed mm-hmm. to be freaks. Like, they, that's why they call them mutants. 100% an allegory for, for institutional racism at the time. Doom Patrol, it, it, had a, it had a message. It wasn't the most forward or the most progressive or, or even the most obvious, but it was still, like, res- very, very... Very slim, subtle so notion. It's it's everything that the alt-right wants comic books to be. It's a very subtle message. However, I respect the Doom Patrol not because of its early books um, that that actually like were very feminist um, and very pro-everything. Yes. Um, later, later books even having some of the first most openly uh, LGBTQ characters in comic book history predating the uh, the wedding issue that Marvel did <laughs> by oh, Iceman a and, couple uh, of decades. Yeah, Iceman, I um, can't remember who his love interest was. Uh, because Marvel's since retconned that because they like to walk shit back. Um, I just, I, I feel like it never had to be a big deal. Like, no. It just, I feel like now more so than anything is like, people are so... Willing to jump the gun over, you know, the whole gay... And this is where you and I have always differed, and I respect our differences on this, because as an openly LGBTQ person, um, I like to see that representation in comic books. However, if you make it obvious that that's what you're celebrating, I feel like I'm a token. Right. I feel like I'm trying to say is it doesn't have to... No, I understand. It doesn't have to be, like... It doesn't need to be super obvious if you yes. if you had Iceman saying yes I'm gonna they go don't get have married. To capitalize on if it. you make it your cover and the entire selling point of your comic book, I am not your I'm not the reason you should be selling your comic. Yes, I I if they if they had just done that book in a different way, probably would have purchased it. But as a matter of fact, I ceased purchasing Marvel books almost entirely for close to six years after that. Because I felt like my my sexuality was being used as a selling point. Yeah. So we have we have two different stances on what representation needs to happen, but we have the same reason for why it shouldn't have happened in that way. Um, Which is crazy, though. Tangentially, uh, I could go on a rant about this for an hour or so, but <laughs> um, I. If, if any comic book creators happen to listen to this, if you're not part of the community, don't use this as a selling point. No. It's kind of douchey. No. And you look like an asshole. And I won't buy your book. And I mean, like, I'm all for <laughs> gay characters or whatever the fuck they want to register under. Like, when but they made a... Don't, don't make it, like, the... Yeah, don't make it a fucking selling point. Like, that's not why I want to read a book. Like, I want to see... I want to see a good story behind it. You know what I mean? Like... Now more so than ever, like, the whole community of that whole long, a 
Chapter Z. I don't the LGBTQI something or other. Um, like I feel like it's it's more accepted. You know what I mean? Like yes, there are some. We're still dibbits. We're still definitely but not, it's not as well as expe- it's accepted not as taboo. I would like, but it's definitely not as taboo as it was. No. I mean, I don't have a problem with Even it Even in early, the early 2000s. Well, yeah. But like, I feel like it's still friend, like, you know. yes, yes. But I feel like they're still trying to like make it still like it's like, it's you not know, as, it's, it's still a super big well, problem. Well, uh, Gail Simone actually came out in a statement and was talking about how she felt like DC was just trying to capitalize on the community and how Marvel has been doing the same thing for, for 30 years now. Um, you know, other other writers, other comic book creators have also started to kind of notice that my community and as a result, other um, minority communities across the country are also being treated the same way as a commodity to be sold to versus a, com- a community that should be, um, I don't want to say pandered to either, but respected, you know? Right. I want to be, I want to have representation. I want everybody to have representation. You know, um, every minority class deserves to have representation in their favorite mediums. You know, so having comic book characters who do identify as, you know, non, non, non straight, non hetero characters is important to me. Non cisgender characters are important to me. However, when you make that the entire point of their character, um, yeah, like that was did. like the only reason why they existed. Exactly, like with uh, <laughs> with the 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 new Warriors comic book oh fiasco, and we're not going to go into too much detail about that because I could get Delgado started on a rant that would I would definitely melt your never speakers. Buy it. Never, um, never, ever. When buy you it. make that literally the entire point of a character, we don't feel representative so represented so much as made fun of. Um, Which I thought was kind of fucked up, though, because a lot of people were, like, really throwing a lot of shade on the Trailblazer character because she was overweight. Now I thought that was and kind not of even... fucked up because I was like, wait, wh- why can't overweight people be superheroes? Like, the fuck, dude? Like, well, that's so fucked. And there was this really cool comic book that came out not very long ago uh, called Hope. It was about an overweight woman who was uh, not straight. Uh, and it was written... With her just as representation. And it was brilliantly done. Huck was another series done by Image, actually, uh, where the the main character was a non-communicative, mentally handicapped man whose abilities were he could find anything that somebody had lost. Um, and again, it was representation. So essentially like Dreamcatcher. Essentially. You remember that fucking Stephen King book? Essentially, yeah, but because they was, all had like that weird tick where they could like just know where something is exactly and find each other. But he was he was non communicative and he was um, he was not mentally all there, um, and it was just there for representation. It wasn't meant to capitalize on a community. It wasn't meant to do anything but show that everybody can be a hero, and right. that is what's important. And that's what I think that Marvel and DC. Can can kind of start to take cues from? Will they? Probably not. Which, which is I why. actually own. I believe I actually own history because there was a show on Sci-Fi like forever ago that Stanley hosted, and it was called "Who Wants to Be a Superhero." Yep. And it literally came down to the wire where it was like this fucking uppity, uptight, fucking just like genuine looking jackass straight out of the box 
that he was hermetically sealed in. And his name was Feedback. And he, I think his special powers was like fucking electricity. Like he was like, you know, had like electricity, you know. Yeah. Um, he discharged. They came out as like fingers. Like, but uh, it was between him and Big Mama. And it was literally this fucking, like, she was she was overweight. She was an African-American woman. And her special powers was to fucking, like, I don't, I don't even fucking remember at this point. It was so many moons ago. But, like, she, I remember, like, in her utility belt, she had, like, donuts and shit. Like, she was, like, a kick-ass superhero, bro. And they decided to give it to the fucking guy. And I was like, dude, I totally would have fucking loved it if Big Mama would have won. Like, I even <laughs> named my, one of my cats that ran away Big Mama. Can confirm. <laughs> like, um, I'm all for, like, the whole entire, like, you know, equality and, like, everybody should have their own entitlement to being who they want to be. But... Yes, when you capitalize on it and you make it like literally the selling point, it's just like there's no. You make it a commodity versus an actual. That's um, when people have problems with it. Like you have people's parents where like you know they catch their kid reading a comic book and they're like, oh, what's this? You know, and then you see two you know gay characters kissing on or they're fucking literally you know, doing on the it. front cover. Yeah, and then that just like it really sends them in a downward spiral. It, it, it honestly kind of makes it in a negative light like yep. i feel like because it just it i feel like it's just something that's been a problem I'm not, you know because it's just it, it's it's i should not say that it's like unspoken but it should be recognized as like a thing where people should just accept who they are you know what i mean like it shouldn't it... come from hatred or whatnot but a lot of people could probably state that you know that comic books you know you got kids they've been reading these books for fucking many moons and it's putting the thought in their head that okay well maybe i like this gender or i like that gender or what have you and we want that awakening you know but it's it's just because then it, it causes it, a lot of confusion is what is well it, not you know? even i i wouldn't go that far with it because if you have that that awakening for people at a younger age and you show it in a positive open and communicating way, you have kids who aren't as questioning about it. You have kids who aren't like, well, is it weird that I like people of my gender? You know, right. you have people who go, oh, okay, cool. Obviously, this is normal. Obviously, this is something that happens. And it very much is. Obviously. Right. Um, so, it to me, the more that you just make it seem like a thing... And less of like, it's this big celebration. Um, because the minute you start to make it look like a big celebration. Or a big, you know, disappointment. A big, huge thing. Um, kids won't question it as much. Right. You know, because I know when I when I made that realization, it was less like, oh, okay, cool. And more like, oh, fuck, this might end poorly for me. And there are still days where I'm scared to talk about this kind of thing because I have been assaulted for this before. I have been chastised and called several slurs for it. So I I think that in all honesty, the more we the more we make it this big huge thing versus this small, I don't want to say subtle, quiet thing, but make it well, just make it like a side story, you know what I mean? Like something that's operating not necessarily in the background, but something that's like there. I, and it doesn't have to be 
Exactly. You know, blown so out of proportion. If let's say I'm gonna use two characters just at random because I haven't read a current comic book in a few years. Yes. Um, because <laughs> I've been reading a lot of back issues. <laughs> same. Um, let's say we took. You know what? I've been talking about Doom Patrol this whole time. Let's say Larry Trainer and um, another male Doom Patrol character. They're dating. Cool. The the current That's television awkward. show for Larry. I, I, Larry I've never watched. That's like anything past like the first six episodes. So I'm like out of the realm of like the no of what you're even talking about. But like I had no idea that they were even like, you know, that's just weird. That's a weird combination. Okay, but the Doom Patrol television series actually portrays Larry Trainer as gay, which is not. Well, I guess I never really paid attention. That's fine. Um, It's not. It's not the part of his character, but it's a part of his character. It is a part of his development because he was brought up in the 60s. It, he was brought up in a time where being gay was this huge taboo thing. And if you weren't married to a woman and you didn't have kids, you were ostracized from your community. And now he's coming up in the 2020s, you know, as a gay man, but not sure how to process it because it he's still... In his head in the 60s. So it's still this... It's still there. It's still part of him. Still part of his story. But it's not the story. If that makes any sense at all. Right. What I want is... I want... I want a character to be able to walk up to their boyfriend. Or a woman character to walk up to her her girlfriend. Or a non-binary... Gender fluid character to be able to walk up to their partner. and, And just be like... Hey, I love you. Right. And not make it this whole hoopty fucking da of like, oh yeah, this character's fucking gay and they're fucking proud of it. Cool, man. Or you could just like make it like, you know, obvious. You know what I mean? Like you don't even yeah. have to do that. Like I think what they how they did with uh, the teenage Negasonic War head. In Deadpool 2. In Deadpool 2. Was absolutely They weren't brilliant. making out. They weren't all over each other. You could just tell that they were. They were in a... They were they were a couple. I think she even said that she was like her girlfriend too. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sold on that, but yeah, I'm pretty it was, sure. If it was, it was a side mention. Yeah, like you could definitely tell. But like, which but, and like spiraling into movies, like you know, with all the upcoming movies, they're talking about you know how they're going to with the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, they want to have that inclusion. Gay, character that is like a headliner of you know the avengers which carol danvers i believe is she identifies as lesbian right i believe so but so i think that might be something that happens in captain marvel too which i mean i love captain marvel like anybody that says that they hate brie larson go fuck yourselves (laughs) she is amazing it's not because of her scott pilgrim she was like the best fucking character envy was amazing i love that fucking movie they don't hate her because of the movie. They hate her because of her promotional tour where she spouted uh, feminist um, stuff. Where she said a lot of feminist stuff about how... See, I don't even pay attention to that shit. And that's kind of why you're my, like, you're my best friend. Because <laughs> you you are the yin to my yang. Like, I well, literally only pay attention like when there's like a major death, like the Black Panther, you know, when... Rest in peace, Chadwick. Yes. When, when Chad died, like, that literally, like, I found out the next day that it happened and was broken. Like, literally broken because you have literally 
the first big male African-American superhero. The the first like, You could kind of say that fucking Blade was, but like, let's not even go there because Blade was on a whole new level of shit. Like, well, I'm talking about like the equivalent of a Captain America. That, and in all honesty, if you took it and you race swapped Blade in that movie, it would have made no difference. It wouldn't. Whereas but with... Wesley Snipes is Blade. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, but... With with the Black Panther movie, a big part of him, a big part of his character development arc, was this this idea that like he is from this area, he is that person. That like, is I him. totally I bought it, dude. Like like when I first saw him, bought it. Like I mean, it was amazing, fucking phenomenal. Was it? It was on the rooftop where he made his first appearance when they were chasing after fucking the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and. He was just so fucking brilliant. Like, even in Civil War, he was fucking brilliant. In Black Panther, he was fucking amazing. Like, I felt like I was watching history. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I felt watching this movie. It wasn't just a normal, you know, Marvel movie. Like, this was history. Which was crazy. So to put it, to put it bluntly and openly, we value inclusivity. But don't, and I'm not saying don't shove it down our throats like those alt-right losers... Don't make it the only point of a character. Right. Make it a part of them. Make it an integral part of who that character is. Make it a valuable part of who they are. But don't make it obvious that you're just trying to sell it to a minority class. Because then we start to feel feel like a fucking commodity. And then we just, we just don't like you. Yeah. Like, I mean, they gave him so much development within those movies. Exactly. Like, fucking when he came up on Baron Zemo at the end of fucking, the end of Civil War, like, he just found out that fucking Baron Zemo was behind his father's death. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he basically said that, you know, the, that he wasn't, that Baron Zemo was, uh, just filled with rage. And then the, all the Avengers are filled with rage, and he said, I'm tired of letting it consume me as well. And, or something along the lines of that. And I thought it was just so fucking brilliant. Like, that, the way that he just said, however, he, he said that like ten times better than what I'm saying it now, but like, it was so fucking, like, just on point. Like, this guy is like, he showed forgiveness. You know what I mean? Like, when, if I was a Black Panther, I totally would have annihilated the fuck out of it. <laughs> but then again, you know, my dad's a piece of shit, so I probably would have just like, <laughs> hey, man, you know, you did a good thing. <laughs> good on you, bud. But I, for real. If somebody had gutted your dad, I probably would have been a little uh, grateful. I probably would have bought them a beer. Yeah. Let's let's be very real. And then when but, Stanley died on my birthday, like, that was, like, devastating. Devastating. Like, I was all excited. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, it's my fucking birthday. And then I look on Facebook, and Boom. Stanley died. I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "No, nobody's like, ever gonna never wish me a happy birthday." I was like, "I will never fucking be able to get a signature from this man alive. Like, I will never get to meet him in person, ever. Like, yeah. done. Like that dude was like fucking a hundred for like ninety years. Like the dude <laughs> has been old as fuck. Never. 
even in old promotional pictures for Marvel, like back in the eighties, he looked like he was ninety. Yeah, I respect the fuck out of that man. I mean, I don't know though, because like, I mean, as brilliant as he is, like I listened to a fucking interview that he did over the phone with somebody about um, being the co-creator of Spider-Man and how he treated Steve Ditko, and he literally was like. You know, basically, he was like, well, you're just going to have to be a co-creator and deal with it. Yeah. Even though that Steve Ditko came up with the idea. Well, it's the whole Jack Kirby fiasco also. Right, right, You know, with the Fantastic Four. He, while Stan Lee is in, I I do not value uh, talking down about the deceased. Um, He was a very shrewd businessman who was very not open about a lot of the things that he did that were very negative. Um, he he is still at least partially responsible for a lot of our childhood right. heroes. So I'll always respect him for that. Will I will I respect him as a human being? Absolutely not. Well see, like the one thing is is like yes, they both decided to be co creators. But it was a simple fact that everybody was deeming Stan Lee as the only person that created it and he just ran with it like Scissors. And only one of them died penniless. Yes. So, so, hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of was kind of fucked, if you think about it. Like, he just let it fucking roll. And then Steve Ditko just was like, dude, like, you're totally being super uncool about this. Like, you know, we came up with this together. They tried to do the whole, well, it was my idea. You brought it to life. But, you know, you just, he kind of really fucked him over. I mean... That was that was a whole lot of comics back in the '60s, though. Yeah. Did you ever think like, do you ever think about that? Because I know I do, but I'm also like riddled with anxiety, so I'm always <laughs> worried that I'm gonna screw somebody out of their pride and joy. Um, no, we're just human. We have consciences. Fair enough. Like <laughs> we, we we worry about <laughs> karma because it's a real fucking thing, which. I mean, as of late, getting all of these shitty books in the mail, it's probably because I've got some bad karma buildup. <laughs> I mean, that's just all that is. If that's all that happens because of your bad karma, I will praise karma for, for not judging you on your actions. <laughs> but I know, like, I stated on the actual fucking uh, Facebook page that, that we were going to be doing, like, a reunion episode with all of the cast, which... Completely apologize for. It's looking grim. Um, there's there's been more than a few hiccups with a couple of old cast members. We've we've tried and failed to get all of us in the same room several times, and and which we can always have you know guests on the show. Like exactly. we have somebody come and talk. Um, but I mean, as, as far as like getting all the other guys together is I'm just gonna, almost next to impossible. I'm going to interrupt you really quick. That's not to say that there's bad blood. There is no bad blood between anybody no. to do with the guild. We, we, we love them dearly. They're still some of our greatest friends. Um, it adult, was a very a therapeutic thing. Exactly. Uh, a, adult life just got in the way as it were, but Delgado and I have always been closer, um, both physically and emotionally than we have been with the group. I live 10 minutes away from Delgado's home versus the rest of the guys who live a half hour to, uh, well, not just that, but when we first like really started talking and like when we met, like we were neighbors. Exactly. (laughs) We literally lived right next door to each other. We actually met as a result of me smoking a cigarette out on my stoop. Yeah. Uh, so, but again, you know, Delgado and I, we're, we've, we've always been closer physically and emotionally. We've always been, 
this close, as you guys can probably no doubt tell through the videos. Uh, yeah. Because uh, we always just gave each other the most shit on camera. And right. now, obviously, through voice recordings. But I just wanted to state that, you know, we did have a reunion that we uh, I was trying to hype up. <laughs> and that I was trying to hype up season four or phase four. And... Honestly, I feel like this would almost feel like, you know, like a natural trend, like a trend. This um, is definitely the next transition for transition us. Transition like, for um, us. I mean, I'm not going to say it's like a phase four. I'm not doing the whole phases. These are going to be complete episodes, of course, and some may be shorter, some may be longer <laughs> than others. Absolutely longer but, in some cases. But, because we can fucking go on forever and talk about everything fucking nerdy. Like You guys I mean, should hear us in person when we're just hanging out. Yeah, like, we're, we're definitely going to continue this, um, whether it be weekly, bi-weekly, whenever we can make it. We just want to make sure that we're having fun doing it. Which I feel like it's just, it's a lot easier because I tried to, to script a lot of the shit through the videos that, you know, that we did as far as like segments and bits and shit like that, which it only fucking, it came to drive a wedge between a lot of us. So I think more now than ever, it's just going to be more of like a chillax. It's definitely out. just going to be us. We're going to be like the next Joe Rogan experience, except for like, we're going to be better. Except for our episodes, please, dear God, let's not make them four hours long. This one's probably already two. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's it's essentially the pilot. So, it had to be long. Absolutely. You know I mean? it, had it, to be, it had to be long. It had to be a descriptor for how future episodes will potentially go. But, if anybody even listens to this. <laughs> but, for us, it's just, it's it's a therapeutic thing. And for anybody that listens to any of this, it's... It's just listening to people and getting a feel for who we are. And I mean, that's all we're about. Like, we like expressing ourselves through comic books and all kinds of nerdy shits, records, which is things that we can also talk about. Ryan has a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends that do music, um, people that own music companies. Um, I mean, we're. Shout out to Wax Vessel. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, we're definitely going to be like talking about anything and everything nerdy. Anything and everything nerdy. Because the thing that Delgado and I value the most out of everything in this world is being open and honest about who you are. Don't don't hide your nerdiness. Don't hide your fandoms. Be you because you are the best version of you that you can be. Right. There's no better you than you. Unless you're a clone. I mean, and if you're a clone, <laughs> then, like, don't be Ben Riley. I mean, you know how I feel. It's like, this is like the Matrix, and, like, we're just living in a big fucking simulation. Why do you think we have so many people that look alike on the other side of the planet? Let's not go off on that tangent. I've heard it enough times. I don't think that the, the, the listeners need to hear... Tonight, your tangent. Oh no, there will definitely be future discussions about there this There absolutely will be in those episodes. Oh, and there's we'll also be... going to be, um, they're shooting a Matrix 4 and 5 back to back. Yeah, because that works Just out so well. Learn that. Time. Just learned that the other day. Like, I did not even pay attention to it, and I saw it on YouTube, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? The Wachowski <laughs> brothers are fucking at it again. 
what the flying fuck is going on? <laughs> but yeah, there's a four, there's a four and a five, a four and a five coming out back to back, which is what a lot of the fucking movie production companies are doing nowadays is shooting multiple seasons, multiple movies back to back, just in case we have another crisis like this yeah. with the pandemic. So that way they don't just fall over. Exactly. Like a lot of other different, you know, you know, and, and as a result of several different things, you know, um, Obviously, Delgado and I will keep this going for as long as we can in whatever way Oh, this way is going to go a lot longer than videos. Like, mm -hmm. you know, this is... I mean, we just do this on a normal daily basis. Like, I don't want to say daily, but even though we're texting, calling each other, we talk about nerdy <laughs> shit. So, why not continue the guild through this, just talking? In every way we can. In every way that we possibly can. So that way you guys can just, you know, on your way to work or on the way home, if you got a long-ass commute. You know, put this on, um, which we are also going to be doing a podcast for, which I, if you go, if you go back and you watch the last episode of the American Guild of Justice on YouTube, uh, it's titled Endgame. Let's, let's actually roll this in a way that's a little bit faster to say. Uh, Delgado is a director now. Um, <laughs> I told you it was going to happen. I know. Shut <laughs> up. Delgado is a director now. We co-own Indie Vision Pictures. Which, uh, which... I, I brought that up in the last episode. Like, I, I know that you thought I was joking. No, I knew you weren't joking. I just, <laughs> I, I wondered how long it would take for it to come to fruition. Uh, it did take a bit longer than expected. We always knew that I would end up being uh, your your ride or die. When oh, you've always division. been. Like, 100%. Like, fucking, we've always got each other back. Like, but... This isn't this isn't an aside just for it to be an aside. This is us saying and announcing formally through this podcast and through the American Guild of Justice page that we are dropping a movie called Baked and Afraid. Yes. On October third. October third. This is Delgado's uh, Pride and Joy movie. I had next to nothing to do with it aside <laughs> from helping to edit last minute. Well, I mean, I could have done changes. it without your computer anyways because my laptop took a shit, so... I mean, you also couldn't have done it without me in the first place. It's true. Even though I wasn't... I think it was your inspirational, just, like, wisecracks that just really, like, just, like, pushed me over the edge to, like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm really gonna do it. Fuck this guy. I'm, I'm gonna prove him wrong. I'm gonna prove him wrong. Which my, we actually just had our rap party for the Baked and Afraid for all the cast and crew last night. That was... Dope as hell, too. It was dope as hell. We fucking ordered, like, a shit ton of pizzas, and we had a shit ton of fucking pop, and, like, fucking, it was just great. We, it was fucking amazing. Yeah, it was. So, if you guys feel that you can listen to our, our voices and our nerdy rants twice a week, um, we will actually also be doing a, uh, a podcast with the third, uh, third head of Indie Vision Pictures, uh, Kobe Galloway. Uh, starting on Wednesday. Yeah, I think that's that's when we talked about doing it. Which we're, on, which on that podcast we're going to be talking about movies, good lore, and just every fucking thing when it comes down to actors, the way shit's filmed, genres, like fucking just everything. Don't worry, everybody everything. who only cares about hearing about comic books. 
uh, I will label them individually as Indie Vision or TAGJ or Podcast of Justice, whichever Delgado. Podcast of Justice. Whichever Delgado lets me go with, I'm feeling Podcast of Justice. Which we will definitely be talking a lot um, more on Wednesday, whenever we decide to really drop these, to be honest, because it's just, however that whole editing process goes, we're going to get more better at it. Um, just like we did with the guild. But when we put out the next podcast for, or the first podcast, which is the next podcast, uh, for the Indie Vision Pictures, um, yeah, that's, we're going to be talking about movies, we're going to be talking about a lot of future, a, a lot of future pro, a, lo, a lot of future projects It's going to be the best way to Without giving about. too much away. It's going to be the best way to hear about all of our future projects, what we're working on, behind the scenes stuff. Um, because we're also, you can follow us and like, you know, the American Guild of Justice page, of course. And you can go visit Indie Vision Pictures and like that page socials well. or will more be, content. Socials will be completely and actually thoroughly plugged at the end of the episode. Um, but I believe we have one more topic we want to talk about. We do, don't we? Yes, we do. Because we didn't get to this. What is your favorite purchase that you made since the last episode of their guild? Oh, man. Man. That's a good one. That's a good one because it's been so long. It has. That's why I gave you that time frame. And why I hope you'll also you're like me crafting. You're like crafting the entire time. You're like, I'm gonna break this. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking throw this wrench right underneath this motherfucker as soon as like we're like winding it down. We're winding it down. We're getting close to the end, and I'm gonna. There's do just this. so many though. I know, but there's so many for you as well. There absolutely is. I have made purchases that I never, ever in my wildest dreams would have believed were possible. But we'll focus on that one in a minute. I okay, know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I there know it exactly is. What it there is. it is. Finally, he realizes the one that I already knew. No, you don't. Preach it. I bet you don't. Okay. <laughs> New Mutants number 16, I think is what it is. The first appearance of magic. No, that's that's Warpath. No, or not 16, uh, 18. There it is. 14. 14. Because. 14. Also, one of my favorite trips that yes. we've ever made, because that trip was glorious for both of us. Yes. I don't know why I said 16 and 18. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Because wait, we were wait, talking wait. about 16 earlier in the podcast. There's just so many, like, first appearances that, that were in New Mutants is why a lot of people get confused on certain numbers. Like, literally, there's, like, a first appearance that's a key, it's a grail, in every fucking issue. Every issue, it's something big. <laughs> but no, the reason why New Mutants number 14... Uh, is one of my favorites is because you get to first see Ilyana Rasputin um, in costume on cover, but you get to see her actually use her powers um, in that book. But I don't think that she actually takes the the title of magic until New Mutants number 21, I believe. I'm that like one is another ninety nine percent sure. So that yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about with these goddamn Marvel books. 
Because, like, you've got so <laughs> many first appearances. They'll say, okay, it's New Mutants number 14. It's her first, you know, her first appearance as magic. Well, that's bullshit because there's, like, people saying that her first actual appearance was in Giant Size X-Men number one as uh, an yeah. unnamed, unnamed child. Absolutely ridiculous. But they think, I think on Wikipedia and like everywhere on the internet, they're saying that Ilyana and Storm, which was a four issue miniseries, which I bought at Corn Coast, was the first appearance of Magic because it even said they spelled Magic with a K at the end. Mm -hmm. Magic and, or, um, uh, in, on the first page, not on the, yes. Do you believe in Magic? Yes. M A G I K. So that's why everybody was like, okay, that's her first appearance. And then they said, dude, there's just so many fucking just different. And if you don't know who um, Magic is, Ilyana Ros uh, Rasputin is uh, Peter Rasputin's sister. Peter Kator. Rasputin. Huh? Kator. Whatever. Colossus. I call him Colossus. It's his name. Which is the lovable fucking X-Men that is, like, built like a motherfucker and, like, he just turns into, like, steel or metal or whatever. I think the with the New Mutants premier movie premiering, I think everybody who ends up listening to this will know who Magic is now. Even though they don't know who Magic which is. Which is my favorite is fucking character, dude. Like, favorite character in that movie. That movie went through development fucking hell and finally released. <laughs> it is not a fucking bad movie. But it is not a fucking good movie either. Like, it is a in-limbo type fucking movie. It's just different. Which I believe on the last the last episode of the American Guild of Justice, I don't even think that we even... I think Age of Ultron was the last fucking movie mm -hmm. that I saw. And everything after the Marvel Cinematic, like, everything after Age of Ultron, like, we've had so much. Like, we have so much to just go back on and, and touch base on. So I think a lot of our first few episodes are going to be us touching on things that we just missed out on. Well, I mean, out we on, didn't technically we miss out. We missed out on missed talking on about talking it. about it. Yes, we missed out on talking about it, which is crazy because I remember like I think I even had a video posted on the American Guild of Justice page. Like I'm excited to go watch the movie, and I'm in my car. Yep. And uh, I don't even think fucking Ant. No, Ant Man wasn't even out yet. Like, there was a lot of fucking different characters that, like, literally are in the MCU uh, now and weren't around when we were ending the American Guild of Justice. Yep. Which we never even said that we were going to end it. We just said we were going to kind of put a bookmark in it and then come back to it. Which we kind of did. Yep. Which hopefully we can do through these podcasts and people will actually listen to this long-ass rant of just us talking. I don't understand the whole podcast thing. It's well, new this to me. Is, this is it's essentially what it is. New so to me. Okay. New to me. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I hope that, you know, this becomes something great and therapeutic that we can do on the side as far as, like, the Indie Vision pictures because we are hoping, praying, uh, that the whole Baked and Afraid thing takes off October 3rd when we release it on uh, YouTube, um, which will happen in the transition of Friday night and Saturday morning mm -hmm. at 12 a.m. So midnight, that is when we are going to be releasing baked and afraid. And if you guys, you know, are interested in feel good horror movies, this is going to tickle your fancy because that is exactly what it is. Like we're going to touch more on the topics of 
Indie Vision Pictures on the Indie Vision Pictures podcast. But on here, we kind of wanted to say something, but we're going to be more nerdy about shit. It's probably, it's probably going to be minor, um, minor points at the end of the episode for each uh, guild uh, or podcast of justice. I'm sticking with that. You're sticking with it. Uh, or, um, and, and vice versa with the Indie Vision podcast, it will be minimal amounts of discuss, discussion about the the podcast of justice, just to kind of keep the two entities separate, just in case there's somebody who is interested in one but not the other. Or Right. Uh, we we'll just want to give a little bit of flavor to, to the topics. Exactly. So, you ready to have your mind blown? Ask me. Come on. All right, look. Ask me which one was my favorite. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Bitch. Should I try to guess it, though? Yes. Which one do you think has been my favorite purchase? Because you know everything that I purchased over quarantine. What? <laughs> over quarantine? <laughs> yeah, because that was when most of my comic book purchases happened. But Fuck. which one do you think was my favorite? The first appearance of Doom Patrol. Wrong. 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 I'm going to give you two more before I tell you. It's definitely the first appearance of somebody. Absolutely. Definitely the first appearance of somebody. I bought a lot. It of has to be DC. It's not Marvel. It's not Marvel. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? I'm like 100% sure. Okay. So it's not Marvel. There's no way. Like We both know that you're the DC guy. Yeah, I'm the absolutely. Marvel guy. Even though we both kind of know a little bit more about the ins and outs of those spectrums. Yeah. Um, fuck, dude. Was it the first appearance or was it a key? It's definitely first appearance. Because you were pretty stoked about like the first issue where you found out that Speedy was like doing drugs. Oh yeah, I do have that. <laughs> you were pretty stoked about it. I, was. I remember being super But it's, stoked it's about a first that. appearance. It's not just a random key issue. It's just a first appearance. Just the first appearance. I do know, like every mo- like every fucking book, but it's just like I don't know. Come on, man. We both know you know this one. Give me a hint. Give I already, hint. I already gave Give you as many hints as I could. Hit. I can. I actually, you know what? You're wrong. I'm wrong. It's my mar. It's one of my Marvel ones. Bullshit. Dead series. Oh, does it? Okay, the first appearance of Sabretooth. Abso-fucking-lutely, yes. my okay. dude! Okay, okay, so I was wrong. I remember now. I remember. Yes, it has to be the first appearance of Sabretooth. Because I have been absolutely enamored with the character of Sabretooth since I was a child. Which, I take it back. Yes, magic was like one of my biggest, but I was exci- excited when we went to Fort Wayne. And I found the first appearance of Morph. The 90s Morph. I know, because Morph has been your favorite character since you were a kid. Oh, the, dude, the guy was fucking hilarious in the 90s cartoon. Absolutely. Like, fucking, I love, like, everything about the whole X-Men 90s, like, franchise. Like, just, like, the cartoons, like, when it, That was, like, my biggest selling point when I wanted to go out and buy comic books is so, because of that show. growing up, my dad and I watched a lot of X-Men animated series. I, You and I have been over this several times. Um, and Sabretooth was just... He was this enigma of a character that just, he wasn't a bad guy, but he was a bad guy. You know, he didn't do bad things for the sake of doing bad things. He just did bad things because he had to. See, I wish we got to see, like, 
the combination of Tyler Main and Liv Schreiber, 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 whatever the I fuck. Wish, I wish if we, we had like real. a fucking in between where we had somebody that looked like Tyler, but acted like Liv. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like that would be like the perfect like amalgamation of like what Sabretooth needs to be. Did you think it was the first appearance of Beast Boy? I wouldn't. Have I thought about to, that too. I wouldn't I have been able to blame too. you for thinking about that because that's actually but I was my like, second uh, favorite purchase. Yeah. Because I grew up yeah. on the Teen Titans animated series, so we're, I think can't say grow up, grow up because it premiered in what two thousand and five. Yeah. So I was fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't blame you. But yeah, no, absolutely. Um, because Sabretooth is just. He's always been this character that I've kind of related to. Yeah. You know, he's this outcast who doesn't want to be an outcast, but he knows that there's no way for him to fit in. So, yes, my favorite purchase over the last six years. So now, actually... would you say that that would be your most famous, like, that your favorite, like, fucking, like, Marvel villain? Mm, maybe... Because he's not, I don't know. Like, I haven't read too many books with Sabretooth. I wouldn't call him an anti-hero or a villain. He's He's somewhere kind of in the middle. He's a survivor. He is, absolutely. (laughs) He goes with wherever he feels like he could win. Right. Um, And I've always kind of respected him for that. My favorite Marvel villain will always be Apocalypse. Really? Yeah, because See, just... mine was, like, always Sinister. Mr. Sinister. I mean, well, that's why you bought, bought his first appearance. I did. Um, but no, Apocalypse is... His his entire life motto, his entire mentality is survival of the fittest, the weak will not survive. Yeah. He's very... He's your very um, prototypical villain. He's very Iron Fist. He's very, like... This is the way it is. This is the way it needs to be. I will triumph because it is so. But did you like him in Apocalypse? Oh, God, no. <laughs> a fucking glorified, steroided up Ivan Ooze looking motherfucker. Yeah. I could go on fucking and Fucking Poe Dameron. That's who played it. I know. Fucking the worst. Fu- oh, my God. <laughs> Star Wars just should have just never came out with anything after before we get on that tangent and i think that'll be uh better used for next episode well you want to do star wars and sci-fi shit absolutely see like my mind kind of like escapes me when it comes to a lot of that shit because i definitely want to talk about the doctor who aspect but i'm not going to be any help after season three (laughs) or four whenever he turns into the mac guy i believe is the next doctor after david Tennant. that's five so, so he's actually in three and four. Yeah, David Tennant's three and four, or two. Yeah, three two and through four. four. Uh, because it's it's Eccleston, Tennant, Smith, Capaldi, uh, and then forgive me, I do not know her name. But you can't even say he that that Eccleston was even the real first Doctor because there was other Doctor Who's. Well, technically him. not the first, but the first after the reboot. Re- reboot. I'm not entirely sure. That's a half hour minimum trying to explain that whole shit. But I believe now would be a good time to sign off. Yeah. And leave our viewers with a question. What question is that? If you guys could wake up in any Marvel character's body, who would it be? Leave a comment on the Guild Facebook page where we share this uh, podcast and let us know.
I think that that would be really cool to just know. Uh, if you guys could wake up in a Marvel character's body, who would it be? For personally, I think uh, I'm gonna go with fucking Cable. Here you go, Cable. Yeah, I'm so fucking lootly. Well, then I'll go with Deadpool. Bet. <laughs> Cable I mean, and Deadpool. The odd best friends <laughs> makes total fucking sense for us. All right, fanboys and fangirls, if you guys are still listening, you guys stay classy. We love you, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.